Welcome to the Verity Podcast for Friday, January 5th, 2024, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Scott Wallace. And I'm Melissa Topshire with today's headlines. 950 pages of Jeffrey Epstein-related documents are finally unsealed. A tragic school shooting takes place in Iowa. Ukraine discloses a Russian cyber infiltration of its main telecom provider. The U.S. strikes an Iran-backed militia in Baghdad. Bangladesh's opposition sounds the alarm on fake candidates ahead of a major election. A prominent trial begins in Turkey over the catastrophic 2023 earthquake. Arrests are made in Argentina over a possible terror plot emanating from the Middle East. Trump asks SCOTUS to intervene in the Colorado ballot ruling. An imam is shot and killed in Newark, New Jersey. And Microsoft will debut a new co-pilot key on PC keyboards to amplify AI experiences. In our first story, Jeffrey Epstein-linked names are revealed. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian, The Telegraph, Al Jazeera, CBS, Business Insider, and BBC News. The first set of unsealed documents totaling nearly 950 pages from a 2015 lawsuit connected to alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein were publicly released on Wednesday. The names identified in the newly released court filings include high-profile figures such as former U.S. President Donald Trump, the U.K.'s Prince Andrew, billionaire Tom Pritzker, singer Michael Jackson, and physicist Stephen Hawking. However, the inclusion of the names in the court papers doesn't mean they had committed sex crimes linked to Epstein or faced sex trafficking charges. This comes after U.S. District Judge Loretta Preska ruled that the information could be revealed after the 14-day deadline for objections to the unsealing of names past midnight Monday. On December 18, 2023, Preska ordered the names of all 187 people, referred to as John or Jane Doe, in the court documents, to be unredacted. At least 170 identities are expected to be revealed in the coming days. Epstein and his longtime partner, Ghislaine Maxwell, are accused of running a vast sex trafficking ring. The financier died in an apparent suicide in 2019, while waiting to face federal charges. Maxwell is serving a 20-year prison sentence for her crimes. Thanks, Melissa. The Financial Times brings us the establishment critical narrative. The records provide a reminder of how Jeffrey Epstein rubbed elbows with famous and influential figures, including royalty, politicians, and celebrities. While they can now minimize their ties to Epstein or distance themselves from his pedophile network, There's no denying the fact that some of the most respected personalities worldwide had a close relationship with a wealthy sex trafficker. The Epstein saga is just the beginning of a massive public awakening about the corruption and crime that plagued the world's most powerful institutions. And here's the pro-establishment narrative from The Guardian. Court papers simply detail Jeffrey Epstein's connections. They neither contain any alleged wrongdoing nor charge them with criminal or civil liability. While unsealing names is good for transparency's sake, it may put innocent people in harm's way because there's a possibility they committed no crimes, had no meaningful contact with Epstein, and knew nothing about his alleged illicit activities. While the documents may reveal Epstein's uncanny lifestyle, they don't answer many questions, including how he could successfully amass a vast fortune. 
kind of more interested in the fascination everyone has with this story more than the story itself. Mm, Tell me about it. Well, I guess there's either we're not fascinated enough about this story or we're too fascinated with it as a society. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Okay. You think people are waiting for their enemies to show up on this list? Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways people are disappointed that now you can't make it. I guess people still are. But now it's harder to make unfounded uh, accusations. You know, at any point you could say that you're on Epstein's list Mm. and then then you're 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 through. Tragedy strikes in Iowa as at least two are dead and five injured in a school shooting. Here are the facts as agreed upon by NBC, CNN and ABC News. A shooting at Perry High School in Perry, Iowa on Thursday morning has left at least two dead a sixth grader, and the shooter, and at least five injured, according to Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation Assistant Director Mitch Mortvet. The suspect, identified as 17-year-old student Dylan Butler, is believed to have died from a self-inflicted gunshot. The shooting, reported at 7.37 a.m. local time, happened on the school's first day back from winter break before the school day was set to start. Many students were outside or in the hallways when the shooting occurred, which police believe may have reduced the number of victims. Mortvet further added that authorities had found an improvised explosive device on the school premises, which was disarmed. Law enforcement has said there's no further danger to the community. According to the Perry Community School Board and the Easton Valley School District, the school's principal, Don Marburger, is one of the victims, though his condition hasn't been released. The other four injured victims are reportedly students who are being treated at local hospitals. According to Mortbet, one of the five victims is in critical condition with non-life-threatening injuries. While the others are currently stable, the shooting comes days before the Iowa caucuses are set to begin, launching the start of the 2024 Republican presidential primary process on January 15th. All right, those were the facts, and ABC brings us a Democratic narrative. It's horrific that just four days into the new year, yet another American school has been exposed to the horrors of gun violence. Children should not have to fear for their safety when they go off to class each day. Authorities cannot continue the same cycle of offering thoughts and prayers while ignoring America's gun problem. Comprehensive gun control legislation is desperately needed. And the Republican narrative from the Des Moines Register. America's mental health epidemic has reached a breaking point, yet opportunistic politicians and pundits are weaponizing this incident for political gain. Rather than using this tragedy as fodder to fuel anti-Second Amendment agendas, it should be used to revitalize the effort to enact state-level measures to treat the root causes of these horrific incidents. Ukraine discloses a Russian cyber infiltration of its main telecom provider. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters and the Kyiv Independent. Russian hackers compromised Ukraine's biggest telecommunications provider from as far back as May 2023. Ukraine's top cybersecurity officials told Reuters in an interview published Thursday. Kyiv Star, which provides services to 24 million Ukrainians, went down temporarily the following December. Officials blamed the outage on a hack, but reassured customers that their personal data had not been breached. However, Ilya Vityuk, head of cybersecurity at the Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, revealed to Reuters that according to his department's findings, Russian hackers must have had access to the firm's system months earlier. 
For now, we can say securely that they were in the system at least since May 2023, suggesting that they may have had full access since November or earlier. Vityuk added during this time, hackers would have been able to obtain the personal information of Kyivstar users, intercept their text messages, and even find the locations on their phones. In a statement, a spokesperson for the firm said it was helping the SBU investigate and was taking measures to avoid further breaches, further adding that no facts of leakage of personal and subscriber data have been revealed. Although a Russian hacker group called Solnsepik reportedly claimed the December attack, Vityuk added that an investigation is still ongoing. At this stage, he said he was pretty sure the attack was carried out by Sandworm, a unit of Russia's military intelligence, which he said the SBU has linked to Solnsepik. The pro-Ukraine narrative comes from the Kyiv Independent. This cyber hack is a wake-up call, not just to Ukraine, but all of Europe and the world. It demonstrates the lengths that Russian hackers are prepared to go to to steal sensitive data, reiterating why everyone must take the threat of future Russian intrusions with adequate seriousness. And here's the pro-Russian narrative from TASS. Russian agencies and government computers are attacked by sophisticated hackers from across the world every single day. The Russian government is by no means an exception in having to ensure that its systems are protected and safe from foreign attacks. It's disingenuous to label the Kremlin as a bad actor when it comes to cyber crimes. And a nerd narrative from Metaculus. There's a 75% chance that a major cyber attack, virus, worm, or similar threat that utilizes large language models in some significant way will occur before January 1st, 2025. Now, I'm just a guy. I don't really have any sensitive proprietary information to hide. And that's not by design. I I wish I had some sensitive uh, proprietary information to hide. Mm. I just don't. Yeah. But if I did, I feel like it's pretty futile to try to hide something nowadays. Uh, Yeah. You're better off writing it down, I think, and putting it under your mattress than you are putting it on a computer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many crimes now are are not physical (laughs) anymore. The big ones. um, There was a show, it was called like Chased or Pursued or something, where it was a reality show. They had these teams of fugitives that they would try to escape. And it's as if the police are pursuing you and you have to do whatever you need to do to stay hidden or whatever. Whoa. Um, It was a pretty cool show. And it got to see like some of the methods. If you, if you touch anything that they knew you had like you know obviously driving your own car using your own cell phone Mm. using your anything or anyone really that you know you're caught because they're going to find you or if you go to an atm Uh. you know if you or you know any kind of that stuff but there was two groups that lasted a long time that ended up winning or whatever ended up happening Mm. one group just went into the woods and didn't come out okay as long as they could just stay out in the woods even though people were trying to find them, they could basically, they were able to Mm. get away. So like the other group, anyone that would help you, like your family would help you, but if you contact your family, they'll catch you. Right. But what these people were doing is, so like emails are traced. You know, if you call someone or email them, they're they're keeping an eye on that stuff. But what these people did is they figured out a way to communicate with their family, but they never, basically they... They all had the same login for a Google account, and they just had a draft email they kept updating to talk to each other. Mm. Um, but they never sent anything, so there was nothing to like to find. You know, so like oh, we're gonna check to all your messages. 
was log into this random Google account. Right. She can't monitor every single Google account in the world. So True. they were able to keep it. Whereas if they sent you an email, then you're screwed. Um, and then there was so, one other team that got caught because one of their family members tattled on them. Oh, and God. I thought that was BS because it's a show. Like, even right. You don't think that they're really on the road. Like, if you really think that your close family member was a, a murderer, then maybe you have a maybe you should turn them in. I don't know. But it's a yeah. show. They're like on a game show. Like, why are you turning them in? <laughs> but they just headed out for that family. Yeah, member. I they're guess like, so. I'll show you. A U.S. drone strike kills an Iran-backed militia leader in Baghdad. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, Newsweek, CBS, Al Jazeera, France 24, and The Wall Street Journal. U.S. officials confirm that a precision airstrike against a vehicle in Baghdad on Tuesday killed a leader of the Iran-backed U.S.-designated terrorist Harakat al-Nujaba group who was targeted for allegedly having American blood on his hands. This comes as the Popular Mobilization Forces, or PMF, a coalition of primarily Shia militias officially integrated into the Iraqi military, announced that its deputy head of operations in the capital, Mustaq Taleb al-Saidi, alias Abu Taqwa, had been killed due to a, quote, brutal American aggression. According to the Associated Press, there was a heavy security presence around the location of the strike on Baghdad's Palestine Street. No death toll has been provided yet, but Reuters claimed that four PMF members were killed and six wounded. Meanwhile, AFP reported, citing an Iraqi security official, as well as a source within the PMF, that the drone strike on the logistical support headquarters of the alliance, also known as Hashed al-Shabi, killed two people and wounded seven others. A spokesperson for the al-Nujaba militia told Newsweek in the wake of the strike that Washington must expect a very harsh and earth-shattering response. Last month, its political chief warned that attacks against U.S. troops could escalate to retaliate airstrikes. Tensions have mounted in the Middle East since the outbreak of the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza in October, with more than 100 attacks on the U.S. and its coalition forces in Iraq and Syria. Late last year, the U.S. killed several militants of the Iran-backed Khatib Hezbollah in Iraq in response to an attack on its Erbil airbase. Thank you for the facts, and we'll start this round of spins with a pro-establishment narrative from the Washington Examiner. Given the fact that Abu Taqwa and his al-Nujaba militia have been responsible for several attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria, this airstrike sought to neutralize him and is fully legitimate. Washington can't and won't refrain from taking action to protect its personnel from any threat they face. And Shafak News brings us the establishment critical narrative. U.S.-led global coalition forces have outrageously violated their mandate and mission, as well as the sovereignty and security of Iraq. This was an unwarranted, deadly drone strike against one of the security headquarters in Baghdad. Such an act on par with terrorism can only escalate tensions and undermine understanding between Iraq and the coalition. And there's a nerd narrative from the Metaculous Prediction community saying there's a 2.5% chance that Israel will carry out and explicitly acknowledge a deadly attack on Iran before 2024. In Bangladesh, Fake candidates are alleged in the upcoming election. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, The Business Standard, DW, The Diplomat, The Associated Press, and BBC News. 
The controversial Bangladesh national election scheduled for this Sunday now faces accusations that the ruling Awami League is fielding many fake candidates against itself to promote a false pretext that the vote is free and fair. Besides allegedly coercing individuals into running a fake campaign, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's government is allegedly using fake national ID cards and buying nomination forms in the name of leaders of the Bangladesh National Party, or the BNP, the country's main opposition outfit, which has boycotted the election. It has also been accused that fake independent experts have reportedly been praising the Hasina government's policies in the media, both domestically and abroad, in the run-up to the Bangladesh election. There has also been growing concern over the explosion of AI-generated content and deep fakes plaguing Bangladesh's election discourse. While pro-government news outlets and influencers have allegedly been promoting AI-generated disinformation, Bangladeshis are also reportedly swamped with deep fake videos showing opposition leaders in a poor light. Hasina, the daughter of Bangladesh founder Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, has balanced accusations of allegedly authoritarian impulses with a robust economy. BNP, led by former Prime Minister Khaleda Zia, who is under house arrest, has demanded elections under a neutral interim dispensation. It says Hasina has jailed 20,000 of its activists in the past few months alone. Thank you, Melissa. We have a pro-establishment narrative on this story coming from The Diplomat. The result of Bangladesh's January 9th election is obvious. Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's Awami League will unfortunately sweep. Legitimacy, though, will be hard to come by, as shown by these concerning electoral tactics. The international community has taken note, too. The ruling party is largely to blame for this, having dismantled the caretaker government system the county had for years. The opposition's BNP boycott has also left the field wide open for the incumbent. And here's the establishment critical narrative from Chatham House. Bangladesh has experienced a stable and economically buoyant period under Sheikh Hasina. Acrimony with neighboring India is at its lowest in decades. The opposition BNP is merely complaining because it is unable to influence and violate the country's secular atmosphere anymore. Western powers like the U.S. unfairly see democratic backsliding in Bangladesh, even as several opposition parties prepare to freely contest the upcoming election. And a nerd narrative from Metaculus, there's a 50% chance that at least 52% of the world's population will be living in a democracy by 2040. Founder of Bangladesh. That's, uh, Yeah, I paused on that one. Yeah. I just um, founded a country, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like in America, more it's more like founder of Wendy's type thing when I hear that. Yeah, like it's not like that's a pretty founder big of deal. the whole country. Dave yeah, Thomas, Dave right? Thomas, respect. Yeah, <laughs> and Wendy's hasn't been the same since. Although they are yeah. putting the pretzel bun on the baconator now, so and a pretzel sky's bun the is limit. pretzel bun is dope. I love a pretzel bun. Turkey opens its first major earthquake death trial. Here are the facts as agreed upon by France 24, Turkish Minute, Cyprus Mail, The Guardian, Voice of America, and DW. Turkey opened its first major trial on Wednesday in the city of Adyaman over alleged construction deficiencies in buildings that collapsed last year in two major earthquakes that killed tens of thousands of people. The hearing concerns 11 defendants, including the owner of the four-star Grand Isaias Hotel, who are charged with conscious negligence in the building's construction. 
According to the prosecution, the collapse of the hotel could have been prevented if safety standards had been adhered to during construction. 72 people were killed when the building collapsed during the quakes. 39 of the victims were from Turkish-controlled northern Cyprus, including 24 children who had traveled to Adiaman for a school volleyball tournament and died, along with a group of parents and chaperones. According to the indictment, the building was illegally turned from a residential building into a hotel in 2001, whereby an additional floor was illegally added to the nine permitted by the original construction plan. Following the first quake, about 200 people were arrested for alleged construction violations. In his statement, the hotel's owner, Ahmet Boskert, rejected the allegations that an additional floor had been added to the building and that structural columns of the hotel had been removed. He argued that the hotel had collapsed due to the high intensity of the earthquake. If convicted, the defendants faced prison sentences of up to 22.5 years. The two earthquakes in February 2023, which were 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude in strength, killed more than 50,000 people and left millions homeless across 11 south and southeast provinces. Only four people survived the collapse of the Isaias Hotel, making it the single largest tragedy in the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, recognized solely by Ankara. Thank you, Scott. And we'll begin this round with a narrative A from BBC News. While it's understandable for the victims' families to demand justice, the principle of innocent until proven guilty still applies. If safety regulations were indeed breached for profit during the hotel's construction, the government would also be to blame. It was Ankara that initiated a construction boom to boost the country's economy, and thus turned a blind eye to building regulation violations that had been tightened after previous disasters. Given the power of the Erdogan apparatus, it is more than doubtful that justice will ever be served. Narrative B comes from Al-Arabia. Everything points to the defendants deliberately violating construction standards that turned a building into a death trap. Since Turkey has already been hit by severe earthquakes in the past, the hotel's construction means nothing other than that human lives were gambled with to cut costs. The blame lies not with Erdogan, but with corrupt contractors who bribed local authorities to use cheap building materials and illegally add extra floors. The trial shows that the Turkish legal system works and will work to prevent tragedies like this in the future. Argentine police arrest three foreigners in an alleged terrorist plot. Here are the facts as agreed upon by the Buenos Aires Herald, the Buenos Aires Times, France 24, the Times of Israel, and BBC News. Argentina's security minister Patricia Bullrich said on Wednesday that three foreign men believed to be of Syrian and Lebanese origin, but whose identities and nationalities have yet to be confirmed, were arrested on Saturday for allegedly planning a terrorist act as the South American country hosts the Pan-American Maccabiah Games. The trio linked to the shipment of a 35-kilo package from Yemen was detained in three separate raids two of them in Buenos Aires and another in Avallaneda, carried out under the orders of Judge Maria Servini. One of the detainees had a Colombian and a Venezuelan passport in his name. Bullrich detailed that Argentina, which has the largest Jewish community in Latin America, received intelligence from Israel and the U.S. on the potential threat, including that the suspects had made bookings at a hotel near the Israeli embassy. The Pan-American Maccabiah Games are expected to gather some 4,000 members of Jewish communities from across the Western Hemisphere in Buenos Aires. 
Police have been paying extra attention to the security of the event following email threats and reports of people reportedly acting suspiciously in the vicinity of the Israeli embassy. Argentine President Javier Millet reasserted his unalterable commitment to the state of Israel and to the Jewish people in the fight against Islamic terrorism for peace and freedom. During the opening ceremony, which was attended by roughly 10,000 people, including the U.S. and Israeli ambassadors to Argentina, two anti-Jewish terror attacks have taken place in Argentina in the past, killing 114 people. 29 died when a suicide bomber drove a truck with explosives into the Israeli embassy in 1992, while the 1994 bombing of the AMIA Jewish Cultural Center claimed the lives of 85 people. Thanks for that update, Melissa. The Wilson Center brings us the pro-establishment narrative. Anti-Jewish terrorism in Argentina has erupted periodically for decades, prompting the U.S. and its Latin American allies to form tighter intelligence and counterterrorism cooperation. As the West has shifted much of its focus toward Russia and China, it cannot forget about the rebound of Islamic terrorism spreading from the Middle East to South America. Washington must bolster its partnerships with countries including Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay if they want to stop more terrorist acts from occurring. Here's the establishment critical narrative from the Middle East Monitor. While there may be planned terrorist plots in Western countries today, it's also important to understand Israel's history from decades ago to 9-11 to today's conflict in Gaza of meddling in the region to garner global support. Israel has propped up dictators in places such as Argentina and Chile to grow its global arms trade in the West and agenda in the Middle East. To top it all off, Israel has been protected by the U.S. as the two superpowers work in tandem to expand their so-called war on terror. And a nerd narrative from Metaculus, there's a 2% chance that Argentina will experience a civil war before 2036. Trump asks the Supreme Court to overturn his Colorado ballot ban. Here are the facts. As agreed upon by CNN, CBS, NBC, BBC News, Forbes, and the Associated Press. Former President Donald Trump on Wednesday appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to bar him from the state's 2024 ballot. According to Trump's lawyers, the question of Trump's eligibility to serve as U.S. president can only be considered by Congress. The Colorado court, they argue, had arrogated that authority by ruling on the matter. The Colorado Republican Party has also appealed the Colorado state court's December 19th ruling, which suggests Trump can remain on the ballot until the Supreme Court pronounces its verdict. The Supreme Court of Colorado had disqualified Trump from running for office again in the state, ruling he had incited an insurrection during the January 6th Capitol riots. The judges cited the 14th Amendment in the ruling, which bars people from holding any state or federal office if they engage in insurrection after taking an oath. This will be the first time that the Supreme Court would rule on the amendment. Its decision will be applicable nationwide, including in Maine, where Trump has been barred from the ballot over the same matter. Thank you, Scott. Here's the pro-Trump narrative from Breitbart. More than 1.3 million in Colorado voted for Donald Trump in the 2020 U.S. presidential polls. The Colorado court's ruling will make it the first time these voters will be disenfranchised from choosing a party's favorite candidate. This unfair, far-left, and undemocratic ruling must be repealed. In the anti-Trump narrative from Vox, elections are a fundamental exercise in a democracy. 
The one losing the election must accept the result with all humility and grace. Trump instead sought to portray something very different and encouraged an insurrection. Worse, he did it while he remained in office. Laws are clear and Donald Trump cannot be allowed to remain on Colorado's ballot. And the nerd narrative from Metaculus says there's an 83% chance that Donald Trump's disqualification from holding the presidency will be ruled unconstitutional before January 20th, 2025. In New Jersey, an imam dies after being shot outside of a mosque. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Fox News, ABC News, The Washington Examiner, NBC, CBS, and USA Today. Imam Hassan Sharif from Masjid Muhammad Newark Mosque succumbed to his injuries and died at University Hospital in New Jersey on Wednesday afternoon, about eight hours after a shooter opened fire outside the religious building on South Orange Avenue and Camden Street. Police officers reportedly found Sharif in the parking lot with bullet wounds in his abdomen and left arm. Authorities rushed him to the hospital in critical condition. The victim was also a transportation security officer at Newark Liberty International Airport for nearly two decades. The assailant remains at large and unknown to Newark authorities. Video surveillance from the area, as well as bullet casings from the scene, are being analyzed to determine a suspect. As of Wednesday afternoon, the only information available was that the shooter was seen running from the scene wearing all black. Essex County Crime Stoppers are offering a $25,000 reward for anyone with information about the attack. While the reason behind the shooting is still under investigation, New Jersey Attorney General Matt Platkin has stated that the evidence collected thus far doesn't indicate it was a biased or domestic terror-related incident. According to the convener of the Council of Imams in New Jersey, Sharif had previously been attacked at gunpoint outside the mosque several months ago. Then the former boxer imam successfully deterred the suspect who ran away. All right. Thanks for those uh, shocking facts, Melissa. We have an establishment critical narrative from the National. Though authorities may claim that this fatal shooting is not a hate crime, it seems too much of a coincidence that a New Jersey imam has been killed outside a mosque just weeks after three Palestinian students were shot in Vermont on their way to a family dinner. It's a matter of fact that Islamophobia and hate crimes against the Muslim community have soared in the U.S. since Israel's bombardment of Gaza. The pro-establishment narrative comes from CNN. It's legitimate that Muslim Americans feel concerned about their safety in the wake of a shocking incident like this one, especially as reports of threats, violence, and hate speech against them, as well as Jewish Americans, have indeed increased since the outbreak of the Israel-Hamas war. Yet evidence doesn't indicate that Imam Sharif was a victim of a biased crime. Our final story, Microsoft announces an AI key for its Windows 11 keyboard. Here are the facts on this story as agreed upon by The Verge, BBC News, TechCrunch, ABC News, and the Associated Press. In its latest effort to boost its partnership with artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT, Microsoft has announced that some new personal computers will have an AI key on their keyboard that will connect users to Copilot, formerly known as Bing Chat. The new Copilot key will replace the right control key on some keyboards and the menu key, which was launched about 30 years ago on others. When clicked, it will open Windows 11's Copilot, which includes a ChatGPT-style AI chatbot. 
while Copilot has been integrated into Microsoft 365 and Bing Chat since last year by pressing the Windows key plus C, the new AI key will simplify and amplify the user experience, according to Microsoft's Vice President and Consumer Chief Marketing Officer Youssef Mehdi. Within Office 365, products like Word, PowerPoint, and Teams, Copilot can summarize text and draft documents, among other tasks. The company said that its mobile Bing app, into which Copilot has also been integrated, may be renamed the Copilot app. Beyond text summarization, the app can utilize its image creator, which is powered by Dolly E3, to create social media, brand, and logo designs, among other creative applications. Microsoft Windows is run on 82% of all PCs, compared to 9% for Apple and a little over 6% for Google's operating systems. While the company hasn't yet announced which manufacturers are going to build the new keyboards, it said some of them will show their new models at next week's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. For those living in countries where Copilot is not yet available, the Copilot key will instead open up Windows Search. It's also not known whether Microsoft will allow users to combine the key with other keys. Thank you, Scott. And here are the final narratives for our final story with a pro-establishment narrative from CNBC. As the new year begins, Microsoft is showing the world a glimpse of the AI future. The world's most popular personal computers will now give every Microsoft Windows 11 user quick access to a personal assistant to help write emails, create images, and summarize work chats to make life easier. Microsoft will certainly boost its hardware sales in the coming months as users switch to the more convenient keyboard with the Copilot key. And the establishment critical narrative from Ben Thompson's Stratechery. Any endeavors pushed by Bill Gates' company should be immediately questioned. The founder of Microsoft has a failed record of technological predictions, but has somehow remained one of the so-called experts that governments turn to in making regulatory decisions. Regarding AI, the U.S. government has yet again chosen to support Gates' trust-me-I've-got-it approach as we enter the incredibly unpredictable future of AI. And here's the nerd narrative from Metaculus saying there's a 3% chance that the control problem, i.e. how to create AI that will benefit and avoid inadvertently harming its creators, will be solved before the creation of weak artificial general intelligence. All right. I, 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 I'm a million years old, so I remember when the new Windows 95 keyboards came out that had that menu key and, and Windows key that we've had since then. I don't think mm. I ever used either one of those. Yeah, what were they for? I think it was to open up the menu or something. I don't know, but it oh, was like okay. a big deal. Like, well, we got these new Windows 95 keyboards. The, the, there's a menu key and a Windows key. It's going to solve everything. Mm. I, I don't think I've ever pressed those buttons ever. It says something I didn't even know what they were for. So yeah, yeah, I'm right yeah, there exactly. with you. So I'm a little dubious about this AI button. Like it's just, you're, first of all, they can replace one of those buttons. No problemo. Like we've never used them. Go ahead and replace it. That being said, we do use ChatGPT a lot. I feel like I could use a button that brings it up. Yeah. We don't know how to pronounce any words that are beyond like a fourth <laughs> grade level. This is very true. Uh, certainly? Is that how you pronounce it? It's certainly. Thank <laughs> you. Certain, certainly. Yeah. yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Verity Podcast for Friday, January 5th, 2024. 
Each day, we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100 newspapers to figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key narratives where the articles differ. To find out more about Verity, visit our website, verity.news, or download our app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Scott Wallace, I'm Melissa Topshirt, inviting you to join us next time on Verity. Verity.